You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. Hi everyone, good to be back here again. I wasn't here a couple of weeks ago. We've had a few sick boys, and including today, so Joe's not here with them, they're at home, but it's good to be here. Um, so this is the fourth talk in our series on truth, and it was all framed uh, right at the beginning of the year in terms of the belt of truth, looking at Ephesians 6 and the full armor of God, and we are expanding on the belt of truth uh, through a series on different truths that we thought it was uh, good to bring you in the new year. Um, And just to think back to the belt of truth, why is it important that we understand the truth of the Word of God? It's important because we get knocked in life, things come our way. Um, As far as I know, there's no age limit on when you can have a crisis of faith. Um, That can happen at any time. Um, But it specifically talks about it being spiritual armour because we are in a spiritual battle. Okay, we are not fighting just against um, what we can see. Actually, we have an enemy who is um, plotting against us. And while we don't dwell on that a lot, it is really important to at least be aware of that. So we had the truth about God, Mark Goodyear, who could forget. I actually wasn't here, but I saw a picture of him in all his, in all his wonderful sparkliness and his massive glasses. Uh, and then we had last week the truth about you, part one of a two-part series uh, brought to us by Paul. And so today, I get the pleasure of bringing you the truth about Jesus. Big topic, right? So big that you could take seven talks to talk about it. And that's exactly what David Petz is doing. Seven talks on the basic truths about Jesus. So I do just want to give a shout out to him here. Um, John's already alluded to it. But basically, Wednesday Night Live um, is unpacking some of these truths about Jesus Some of the things that we really need to get our head around, perhaps we have an understanding of them, but to revisit them, and um, he's doing such a great job. I've listened to the first one. I was there at the second one. And really what it brought out for me was that the virgin birth and his sinless life, these two things are so key in him actually achieving what he achieved on the cross. That actually, though the the fact that he was born of a virgin and lived a sinless life was not just biding his time, but actually to get to the cross and achieve that um, taking the punishment for our sin on himself could not have been possible without him living a sinless life. So it just kind of brought it afresh to me. So I'd really encourage you to listen to those. They're online and to get along to the next um, five five weeks over the next 10 weeks, talking about his atoning death, his resurrection, his ascension to heaven, his heavenly ministry, and his second coming. We actually aren't going to go through those truths today because I I just feel like they will be unpacked much better by David than me in trying to do it in 20 minutes. But what we are going to look at is um, a few broader aspects. And it might seem a bit weird to go over some of the things that we're going to go over today, but 
We all know people who don't believe the same things that we do, and perhaps I'll be speaking to people who are beyond this point. However, I, I believe, again, as I say, a crisis of faith can come at any point in your life, um, and so it's, it's, it's good to be reminded of these things, and it's good to be um, aware of these things when people talk to us about Jesus, because the Bible says we should have an answer, or be prepared to give an answer and a reason for the hope that we have. So we, we need to have these things sorted. Okay, but first, I love words. I've said to you before, I love words. I love the meaning of words and where they come from. And so I just wanted to revisit the term truth. And I wasn't in for John's talk, and it's not online, so I'm sorry if this is going over what he's already gone over. But I, as I say, I love words. So truth is a noun, and it is the quality or state of being true. That which is true or in accordance with fact or reality and a fact or belief that is accepted as true. Now, I think the human struggle with faith or the search, uh, not with faith, sorry, with truth or the search for truth is fairly evident. Um, you only have to walk into a university lecture hall or a secondary school classroom, even perhaps the pub, and people are talking about what they believe to be true. Um, people argue about it. People go to war about it. You know, the search for truth is, is, a, is a big deal to us as humans. And when you're looking at truth, you can go down a rabbit hole. And I did go down a bit of a rabbit hole. You just have to look at whether truth is relative or is it universal. We are not going to unpack this today, but you might want to just, you know, have a look at this yourself. So is truth always true? Is it universally true all the time? Or are some truths sometimes true for someone or in some situation or with specific conditions, but actually not true all the time? <sighs> wow, that just blew your mind, didn't it? It blew my mind. And as I say, it, it will take some hours off your life once you start to look into this stuff. But this is sort of forms the basis of that idea that, well, Jesus is true for you that's okay. You know, that's your truth. But my truth is something different. Has anybody ever come across that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite common. And the truth about me is I'm not a philosopher. I'm not a theologian, but I am a person who at some point in my life has searched for what the meaning of life is. Who is Jesus? What does, what does this all you know, amount to. And I bet that you have been there and perhaps you are still there. And even if you aren't there, you will have friends and family who are at this place. And so it's important to, to kind of unpick some of these things about, well, your truth is okay for you and um, my truth is okay for me. So actually at this point, um, while we're doing this, our young people are watching the second in a series of Youth Alpha videos and they're excellent. They are so well put together, um, really concise, get to some big issues quite quickly, you know, don't go into lots of depth, but they point in a direction of, of where to go to explore and unpick some of these things. And isn't it amazing that today their second one is Who is Jesus? It's exactly what we're doing. So I want to kind of get you into their world a little bit, and I want to watch a little bit of um, the first clip, which was from last week, which sort of, sort of talks about this idea that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. So if John can get that for me up, that would be great, and we'll get the lights. 
Now, some people's response to Christianity might be, well, that's great for you to believe this stuff, but it's not for me. But if you think about it, it's not actually a logical position because if Christianity is true, then it's important to every one of us. And if it's not true, then it's not really great for me at all. The author C.S. Lewis put it like this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. C.S. Lewis was someone who had taken the time to examine the evidence, and he concluded that it's true. And he wasn't the only one either. In fact, many of the most influential scientists were Christians, like Newton, Kepler, Galileo, and Copernicus. And also some of the most respected scientists today, like Francis Collins, who was the director of the Human Genome Project, a project that mapped the entire human DNA. Well, in the home where I grew up, uh, faith was not something that was talked about very much. Uh, my father was a professor of drama, my mother a playwright. Uh, when I went to college and those discussions in the dorm late at night about religion uh, began to occur, I had no particular reason to attach value uh, to a faith system. It had never been something I was familiar with or had internalized at all. I ended up in, in the medical school curriculum sitting at the bedside of patients with diseases. And one afternoon, one of my patients, a wonderful elderly woman, much like a grandmother, uh, who had very bad heart disease. Uh, she had a particularly bad episode of chest pain uh, while I was with her. She got through it, and at the end of that, explained to me how her faith was the thing that helped her in that situation. And after she finished her own very personal description uh, of that face, she turned to me, and I had been silent, and she looked at me quizzically, and she said, what do you believe, doctor? And ultimately, I had to admit to myself that her question had made me realize that I had arrived at an answer to the most important issue that we humans ever deal with. Is there a God? And I had arrived there without ever really looking at the evidence. And I was supposed to be a scientist. If there's one thing scientists claim they do is to arrive at conclusions based upon evidence. And I hadn't taken the trouble to do that. I thought Christ was as much myth as history. And I realized after reading more about it, this was a historical figure upon which we have a great deal of evidence for his existence and his teachings and even his rising from the dead in a literal way. I realized for the first time that one can come to belief on a rational basis, a journey that I thought would result in strengthening my atheism, but to my surprise, resulted in my conversion. I've Pretty interesting that a scientist um, admitted that he thought Jesus was as much myth as historical figure, and yet he hadn't even looked at the evidence. And uh, I like that he said that you can, you can base your um, conclusion that Jesus did exist uh, on, a, on a rational conclusion, that it's based on evidence. And not even just that, but for his teachings and his resurrection. And, and so we're going to start from that starting point today. Seems like an obvious place to start, but Jesus did exist. Um, the truth is that he was a historical figure, and there are no serious historians who would suggest that he didn't live um, the New Testament and other writings, there's, there's so much evidence for it. But if you still have questions about the validity of some of the writings, um, then go and find out because it is out there. And as I said, the, the Alpha episode that they're watching today, Jesus, Who Is He?, gives a good um, direction for lines of inquiry. 
So Jesus did exist, but who was he? Maybe he was a good man and a great teacher. He certainly had followers. But actually, you can't, you can't look at what he said about himself and, and really just come to that conclusion. And, I'll, and we'll unpick that a little bit. Because he, he did make claims about himself that were more than just being a good man and a great teacher. But just for fun, I thought we would look at some claims, some very famous claims that another very famous person made about themselves. See if you can identify them. I'm pretty sure you'll be able to. I'm young, I'm handsome, I'm fast, I can't possibly be beat. It's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. I am the greatest, I said that even before I knew I was. I shook up the world. I'm the most recognised and loved man that ever lived because there weren't no satellites when Jesus and Moses were around, so people far away in villages didn't know about them. I'm not the greatest, I'm the double greatest. (laughs) Absolutely. Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, he said these things about himself, pretty big claims, but he backed them up. And you can look, poll after poll of experts just come to that conclusion that he was the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. The stats stacked up for him. And because the stats stacked up, that's hard to say, (laughs) because they stacked up, it's not popular belief that Muhammad Ali was either a liar or was deluded. Because what he said, he could back it up, they were true. And when someone makes a claim about themselves, I thought about this, and and I guess there's a few possibilities. There's others, but we're just going to look at three. So the possibilities that I thought about were their claims are false... And they are a liar because they know their claims are false, but they're saying them anyway. Their claims are false, but they are delusional because they believe that what they're saying is true, but it's not. Or their claims are true and they're telling the truth. Okay? So keep that in mind when we look at some of Jesus' claims about himself. Because the truth is, Jesus did not just say he was a good man. He made claims about himself. He said things like, he was the son of God and the son of man. Fully man, fully God. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 17, he said, um, who do people say the son of man is? Talking to his disciples. And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus must have just been beaming at this point, and he replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So indirectly here, you have Jesus confirming that he is indeed the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Messiah. You have another um, example with the woman at the well, and she says, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Wow, the anointed one. He's saying, I'm it. 
He said he was able to forgive sins. There's a story about him healing a paralyzed man, and I love this because he says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he shows that his primary ministry was not just to be a good man and heal the sick, but was actually to look at the heart condition of people, look at their eternal destiny and forgive their sins. And, and he still cared about the temporary illnesses that they had and healed those as well. I love that. He said he was the bread of life, the light of the world, the one who was going to judge all humanity in the future. And he said he was the way, the truth, the life, and the only way to God. He said, no one comes to the Father but through me. These were impossible claims. A good man, a human, could not claim these about themselves. These were blasphemous claims. They almost got him killed several times before they actually got him killed. You know? And so if we look at it like we just said, so, so either these are false and he's a liar, or I guess you could say maybe they're part true. Maybe, maybe he was still a good man and a great teacher, but maybe we draw the line at some of the things that he said. But wouldn't something being part true actually make him a liar? Yeah? I dare you to go home and Wikipedia the word lie, because I did, and I was a bit taken aback, but there are so many ways to lie, so many different lies out there. And it talks about a half-truth being a deceptive statement that includes some element of truth. The statement might be partly true, or it might be totally true, but only part of the whole truth. <laughs> or it may employ some deceptive element, um, especially if the intent is to deceive, evade, blame, or misrepresent the truth. Would Jesus deceive, evade, blame, misrepresent the truth with the aim of, of getting himself killed? I think that would put him back in the delusional category. So, so saying his claims about himself, but actually he's delusional. And I, I think probably here, we, I need to stop and, and put my hand up and say, I am coming at this from the lens of somebody who's grown up in a Christian home. I, I've heard this all my life, and some could say, I've been indoctrinated in it. Of course I'm going to believe it, because that's the lens of what I've grown up in. But actually, there, there are people who have come to this conclusion without having that and without even looking into it with the idea that they were going to get their minds changed. So we're going to look at one of those cases on, on the next clip, which is from the second episode of Alpha, which our young people are watching today. So I grew up in a family, there was no faith, no religion, no God, no prayer, no Bible. It was just, didn't talk about it. My dad uh, was so atheistic that when my older brother was born a few years before me, uh, his name's Matthew, and he said, we have to spell his name with one T as not to be biblical. I don't want it to be spelled like it's in the Bible. And so, my, so literally on his birth certificate, his name is spelled with one T. And then when I was 17, I was in high school, and uh, I met a guy named Chris in woodworking class, and he, he came up to me and he's like, listen, this guy was, you know, womanizer, drug dealer, you know, whatever the whole thing. And that's why I hung out with him. And, uh, and he said, you know, listen, I got my life changed by Jesus. And I'm like, well, what's, what's this about? And so um, I began kind of exploring as a skeptic, which is what I was. So when, when Chris started talking to me about Christianity, as someone who grew up in an atheistic home, I wasn't just going to accept what he was going to say. So I was like, okay, 
did this actually happen historically? What's the evidence? Because I'm not, I'm not a super emotional person. I'm not, I'm not going to just buy into something because I get swept up in the emotion of it. So then what that made me do is I got to go investigate this stuff. So when I was 19 was the first time I actually walked into a church and I found skeptics there. Skeptics who are actually serious about answering the deep questions. It was all these people going, yeah, I have that question too, but here's what I found, this legit thing, and let's compare this and this. I started to open up the old Bible that my grandfather had given me. Because Christianity functioned around this person and not just ideas and philosophies, I had to figure out, did this guy even exist to begin with? I explored, I studied, I looked at it. So I saw in the Gospels he obviously existed, but then began realizing there's people outside of the Bible who have no Christian agenda who were all claiming he existed. And it was in that exploration that I actually came to realize that Christianity is not emotional. It's not true because I want it to be true. It's true because the actual tomb is empty. It was based on a historical event. And that's what I realized was different about it. So I began to realize that this is either the most important thing in the universe or it is the dumbest thing. It can't be half interesting. So after I had studied, looked at the evidence, I came to the conclusion that this wasn't just hopeful thinking, wishful thinking, that it was actually true. I like that, that he says it's either the most important thing in the universe or it's the dumbest thing. <laughs> He's happy to say that. And, uh, and he is somebody who obviously was coming at it not to be convinced, but, but looked through the evidence. Has anybody read um, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis? Yeah? If you haven't, I'd say go and read it. it was, it's based on um, some talks that C.S. Lewis did in the 1940s on radio. It's quite a short book. It's not a massive one, but it's a really great exploration of some of these things around um, why, why Christianity. And he says here, I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus Christ. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he is a poached egg like that, um, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that option open to us. He did not intend to. Jesus didn't leave the option open that he was just a great teacher. That's not, that's not what he said. So that's pretty highbrow, C.S. Lewis. What about Bono? I'm pointing at Dave. <laughs> He's seen Bono in concert quite a few times. Bono, the lead singer of U2, did an interview in 2013 and was asked by the interviewer, what or who was Jesus as far as you're concerned? And he said, I don't think you're let off easily by saying he was a great thinker or a great philosopher because actually he went around saying he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the son of God. So he either, in my view, was the son of God or he was nuts. 
And forget rock and roll messianic complexes. I mean Charlie Manson-type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched and have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just don't believe it. <laughs> what an impact this good man has had. People have looked and found that what he said about himself, his claims that he made were true. And not everyone grew up in faith. Some weren't even looking for the answers themselves. But don't believe it, or, or people won't just believe it, just because C.S. Lewis or Francis Collins from the Genome Project or Bono believe it. Actually, there are intelligent people who believe that Jesus existed, and there are intelligent people who believe he didn't exist. So you cannot base truth on whether intelligent people believe it or not. Like he said, it's not true because I want it to be true. It's true because it's the truth. And... Uh, one fact that I found that was quite interesting that you may all know, but Albert Einstein, pretty intelligent guy, he at one point believed that the universe was static. And then actually science found that it wasn't, it was ever expanding. So you can't base truth on, on whether intelligent people believe it or not. If you have questions, go and find out for yourself. Jesus did exist and he did make claims about himself. And if those claims are true, then the next logical thing that we need to ask ourselves is what impact or significance must Jesus have upon my life then? That would be the next logical step. And, and the truth is that Jesus does have significance for life today. It's estimated um, that there are over 2 billion people in the world who would call them Christians, uh, call themselves Christians. And that's across every, every ethnic and economic and social divide um, across the world. And Time magazine called Jesus the most significant figure in history the most significant figure in history. And significance means that somebody is worthy of attention. And he was the most significant, the most worthy of attention. If his claims are true about himself, then they hold the utmost significance for how we go about living our lives. And you know, when I was younger, I actually remember thinking, I'm a Christian, but like, why do we have to keep going on about it? I remember thinking this. I remember going to church and thinking, why do we have to keep thanking him? Why do we have to keep thinking about you know, all the things that he did? Yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe, but it's not like that is the core part of my identity. I'm not going to base my every single decision around it. I put my hand up and say that I was there when I was younger. That's, that's what I thought. But the truth is, he absolutely can't be of moderate importance. He just can't. He's all or nothing. And knowing about somebody is different than knowing somebody. So you can know that my name is Verity and that I'm 33. <sighs> See, intelligent people won't believe that. Doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> okay? But actually, you need to know him. And when I was 23, I, f I finally got it. The penny dropped, I think. And I had an experience with Jesus and I knew him for the first time. I didn't just know about him. And then I was like, well, okay, I get it now. He, he absolutely is the core of my identity. There's no getting around it. And our mission statement says that we are 
trying to form all-out followers of Christ. And I don't think I really got that until I was at, at that age, 23. And even now, I need an ongoing injection, if you like, to remind me of the significance that Jesus has to have in my life. He should be evident in what I say and what I do. Because, again, he existed. He made those claims about himself. And if those claims are true, then they have to have significance for our life today. And then I just, I just wanted to finish on this. Um, I found this quote by Leonardo da Vinci. And I thought it was really interesting because some of he's the guy who said that marriage is like putting your hand in a bag of vipers and hoping that you pull out an eel. <laughs> so, you know, let's take some of the things he says with a pinch of salt. But I thought this one was quite good. He said that beyond a doubt, truth bears the same relation to falsehood as light to darkness. Isn't that interesting? Where, where, where do we hear about light? Oh, that's right. Jesus said it. He said it in John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And he also said this. that through, Well, he didn't say this, but this was said about him. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I, I like this because when I was reading this on my online Bible, it comes up with a little ellipsis when there's something to click on. And next to where it said, has not overcome it, it said in brackets, or understood it. And if, if you have friends or you have family who are actually searching for this stuff or who are actually getting into debate with you about this stuff, um, you know, treat it, treat it with respect and, and with gentleness, but there is evidence out there that you can point them in the direction and um, to, to find out more about Jesus. And ultimately, they need to find out about him, but also to know him, not to just know facts about him. And so I just want us to, to pray now um, that if there's anybody here who feels like they are in that situation, that they know about him, but maybe don't know him, that you can know him right now. Now. And, and so I just pray, Jesus, if there's anybody who feels like that, Lord, that you would come into their hearts and that it would not just be head knowledge anymore, Lord, but it would be heart knowledge to know that you want a relationship. We've just sung this morning some amazing words. You are our living hope. And I pray that the, the reality of you being our living hope will sink deep, you know, will sink deep so that it has a daily reality to us and that we will go out fired up knowing that we have you as our identity, that you weren't just a historical figure, that you actually lived, you actually led a sinless life, you actually died and you actually were raised um, and you're living still. And so I pray if, if that's you, you don't know Jesus that you would say these simple words and say, Lord, I'm sorry for all the things that have separated me from you. I want to know you. Please forgive me. I accept your forgiveness. And I want to live a life with you, not apart from you now. In Jesus' name, I pray all these things. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.